0: Well, hello, Seattle. Hello,
1: Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, your advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and your uh, sultan of spirits, or samurai of spirits. I'm excited about today because the holiday season is upon us. This is the season where we have sparkling wines and entertaining, and um, one of the best values in the world for sparkling wine comes from Spain. It's called Cava, and I am super excited to have... um, a brand new producer that I'm unaware, brand new to me, it's, uh, it's called Leopard, but in Spain they call it Leopard, or Lopart, I should say, and I have uh, Javier Simal, who is the export manager. He's in town, and he's got some great juice to share with me. So, Javier,
2: uh, welcome to Happy Hour. Good evening. Thank you so much for having me here. Excellent. And uh, yeah, I'm coming from Barcelona just to uh, show you guys uh, these beauties uh, that we are making.
1: Uh, I, I was in Barcelona um, a year ago, actually visiting, uh, of course, the uh, the Cava area of de Sonor- oh, uh, so- oh,
2: San Sadurni. <laughs> Thank you.
1: <laughs> oh, Saturday night! It's uh, I'm getting started early. Um, Barcelona, a beautiful place. I like that no one uh, wakes up till about 9 a.m. Yeah. The streets were empty. Yeah. I was like, no line for coffee
2: has become very cosmopolitan city
1: very cosmopolitan mm-hmm. and then you go up to the hills where they're, they're making cava, growing the grapes and it's a small town
2: yeah where we had different places although you know the heart of this uh, region is called Penedès. Uh, there are different heights uh, different altitudes and different producers but pretty much all this uh, cava come from this tiny region like champagne but you know slightly warmer
1: Interesting. Um, how long have you been in the wine business?
2: Uh, well, I studied in London uh, for three years, and then I lived there. I tried to promote other brands, and now I'm lucky that you know I work for one of the best uh, in that region. Your part.
1: Um, how many producers of cava are there in Spain?
2: Uh, boom, probably more than hundred. Really? I would say yeah, yeah.
1: And so we see a lot of the big ones: Segura, Viudas, uh, um, but uh, uh, Montmartal mm. is one of them that I always liked, and I thought that was a fantastic wine. And then I tried your wines, and when we think about Champagne, obviously we're talking about a site or a blend of, of grapes, but it's, usually it's really the Champagne region, which is with their region clay and their limestone that helps you have this great terroir, this, this mineral minerality. Um, but really when it comes down to Champagne, it's all about blending and aging, right? Mm-hmm. Just like...
2: Cava? Well, we we claim the the terroir as well. I think Cava has its own personality as well. Uh, Obviously, we grape our own indigenous grape varieties, which are mainly white grape varieties, and among them, uh, it's hard to pronounce if you are not Catalan, but uh, I try to do my best, uh, Macabeo, Xarello and Parallada. These are the uh, main three grape varieties around. And we're using the same method that the champagne, which means that the second fermentation is in the bottle. So it's least con- contact uh, as the champagne. And, yeah, we're producing the same method but different grape varieties.
1: And that's what really gives champagne its its beautiful um Palette, its expression, its and its uh, complexity. And using three grapes, you can say that that adds complexity as well, but you also have a rosé wine here, which which uses grapes that aren't typically known for being sparkling wine grapes.
2: Yeah, we're glad. Although we are a small producers, and um, let me just tell you that uh, we are one of the oldest producers in that region. Uh, we're back to the 40th century, which is quite a long history, and we started producing our first Cabas in 1887. And we were lucky because we, we are a small producer, but uh, some time ago, 10 or 15 years ago, I think America uh, found this uh, rosé that you are talking about. And yeah, it's uh, a blend of Monastrell, Garnache, and Pinot Noir. Very unusual uh, blend, but really, really nice.
1: And for our uh, Spanish-speaking friends, they know Monastrell is more Morveja here yeah, in the United States. Yeah, right Monastrell in
2: French, yes, yes.
1: Yes. I'm looking at, I mean, 1887. Washington was a state in 1889, and yeah. uh, actually it's... Uh, anniversary, I think, is Monday, wow. November thirteenth. Congratulations! I yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> um, you have a picture of one of the original bottles here.
2: Yes, this is the first uh, uh, original and the first make uh, bottle of cava in eighteen eighty seven. As you can see, that was uh, glass uh, uh, blowing, like you know you. Ambassador here in Seattle. Yes. Uh, uh, she, what's the name of? Uh, Julie. Yehuli, yeah. I had the opportunity to visit uh, his museum on Saturday. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah, pretty neat, uh, huh? So that is another uh, oh, oh, another way to blow uh, up, you uh, know, these uh, these nice bottles. Well, and done. I
1: see that um, the original label was actually lithograph. Yes. So they had some serious investment going on unless, you know, I mean, I don't know how to lift the lithographic costs. Yeah, then. let me
2: tell you something. I think back in the 1887, part started producing uh, uh, the first uh, sparkling wines in that region, and we probably produced like 1000 bottles per year, and we have orders back in in that day that shows that uh, buying a bottle of uh cava part used to be the equivalent of one man's salary, uh, one week men's salary. So wow, that shows you, you know, but the quality <laughs> was there from the beginning.
1: From the beginning. Yeah. And uh, of course, <clears throat> supply and demand has something to do with that. But um, I'm excited. We've got three wines here. And so, 1887, how many winemakers have been uh, at Lopart?
2: Probably uh, now is the 27th generation, right? Wow. And uh, we started producing uh, in 1887, and now is the fifth generation. And uh, the name is Pere Lopart, and he's the son of uh, Pere Lopart. So now are connected. The fourth and the fifth generation, all of them winemakers and all of them making the wine.
1: Interesting. Did, uh, I mean, very few people go out to start making sparkling wine. That seems to be, you know, it takes a long time because you got mm-hmm. to age it. And so mm-hmm. basically, if you're making white wine, which come, you know, white grapes go into lots of sparkling wine, you're able to, from a cash business perspective, cash flow, you can sell white wine sooner than you can sell sparkling wine. So the idea was really to come out with sparkling wine at the very beginning
2: yeah i mean the idea is that although the method is the same that the champagne uh, the laws in spain are less strict which means that you can uh sell wines or release wines after nine months uh, uh fermenting in the bottle uh your part has always been known as giving these long aging uh products like you know the champagne do and the one you're going to try is has uh, been on the list for at least 20 months, and this is our entry level. But we have grand reservas going up to seven years uh, aging uh, period, which is pretty much, you know, the quality right. is is there.
1: That's the tête de cuvee for all the French houses, whether you're Krug or Dom Pérignon or or um, Veuve Clicquot, with uh, their their high-end prestige cuvées, they all age them five years plus. Uh, the law says in, in uh, France, of course, 15 months for non-vintage and 36 months for vintage yeah. sparkling wine or champagne, um, and nine months I'm wondering when that, that uh, legislation was passed in uh, Spain for Penedès. Mm-hmm. It must have been the mid-1900s. I mean, like 1930s, once the yeah, I mean, the AOC, Appellation d'Origine Controle did didn't start until 1935, I think, it shut up the pop. So it must have been after that where they started getting regulations, right?
2: Yeah, we started producing uh, covers, uh thanks to the French because uh, they ran out of... Uh uh, grapes, uh, vines, uh, because of the phylloxera, phylloxera yeah. and so they went down to find the right places. So, luckily, uh, your partner didn't want to uh, sell the grapes, and he decided to uh, study in France and, you know, lay on the way, and ever since, we've been producing covers pretty much uh, with the same method.
1: Excellent. Well, I'm excited. When I tasted these at uh, at Palisade the other day, I was really, really intrigued, and I'm pleased that you're able to join me, obviously traveling all the way from Spain to be on Happy Hour Radio. That's how we pull it down. Let's talk about this brute. So the first wine is called a um, Brut Reserva. Yes. It- um, and the term Reserva, does that have any specific uh, meaning or denotation in Spain?
2: Yeah, it, it means that uh, you have to... Uh, Ate the product at least for 15 uh, months. Okay, so this one has been ate for over 20 months. Excellent. Mm -hmm.
1: All right, well, I like that they um, are nicely chilled, but not over chilled because this wine, a lot of times, sparkling wines can be too cold and you you miss some of the uh, finesse in the wines. Uh, Let's taste this one. So, a blend of three different white grapes, um, Charello, Macabeo, and Pariata. Correct. In that order. So, Charella, folks, is X A R E L O. Zurello, Charello, Charello. There well we done. go. And uh Periata has got uh, two Rs and two Ls mm-hmm. and two As. <laughs> and- got it. All right, so this this wine um, available around the city uh, at Metro Markets and some QFCs. But do you have a website so people can go study these wines?
2: We do. Yeah, you can just uh, check it out on uh www.yopar.com.
1: And your part is, uh, it's leopard, but it's L-L-O-P-A-R-T dot com,
2: right? Thank you. Very cool. Um, this, by the way, is 90 points Robert Parker, Oh, so well, it helps as well, you I'm know?
1: giving it 120 points. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> um, really well balanced and delicious. What I like about Cava is that the acid is never as high as champagne. And I like drinking three or four bottles of champagne, but mm-hmm. I tell you, that acid gets you after some time. Like, wow! Yeah, it bit.
2: goes on and on and on. Whereas Cabas, I think, gets in, delivers, and then, you know, goes away. Wow, so, oh, just like a handyman or something. Yeah. Mm. <laughs>
1: uh, the dosage is is relatively nominal. I mean, I, I think you've got just a bit of sweetness, probably, what, five, six grams per liter?
2: Yeah, a bit more, like 7 8%, right. but, yeah, you, you got it right. Mm. Mm. Now,
1: the key for, you know, the... Acid gives you length in the finish, and yeah. um, the Lee's contact, italicis gives you the texture, the creamy, the toasty, the brioche. Complexity, correct. Yeah, mm. yeah That's all,
2: all these things that uh, you describe that uh, very well, because that's, why you, that's the things that you should be looking for when you drink kava.
1: Uh, I agree, and uh,
2: <laughs> I do like drinking kava, because the
1: price point, you get a lot of bang, quote unquote, for your dollar, and um, this has uh, quite a... Lovely palate. It's delicious, mm-hmm. and it's Thank you. It's, real, it's on the dry side. I mean, it's it's a great brute. Um, obviously, the acid is not as high as champagne, so you would know that it's probably not from champagne. But the finish and and that complexity is really tasty. What does this cost? This is like twenty bucks here in the in Seattle area.
2: Yes, it's ninety ninety nine. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so you <got laughs> on <your> sale. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. Wow. Um, oh. Javier Simal and you've been working with this this family for
2: how long? Uh, I work for 1 year, you know, I've been lucky enough to to, you know, to say that my dream come, came through because I, I study as I said in in London. And I was uh, dreaming about working for one of the prestige companies there. And here you are, you know. I'm now uh, going around the world just uh, traveling the world, getting on all uh the
1: top radio shows Uh in the world. No, it's nice. (laughs) It's
2: been it's been 26 days so far in the United States. I'm telling you, I'm having a lot of fun. Oh,
1: excellent. (laughs) Well, um, you know, it's interesting. We don't have a lot of Spanish food in the United States. We have Hispanic food and Latin American food, but we don't have much from Spain. Hopefully, Jose Andres is going to change that for us, right? He's got places in New York and Las Vegas, and we've got a couple places here in Seattle, but they mm-hmm. they haven't quite got to that prominence. I mean, uh, it's it's really fun, and I love Spanish food. And the tapas, mm-hmm. the tapas atmosphere is just fantastic. Little plates, little bites, and drinking.
2: <laughs> that's why that's why we are in the right business, you know. Wine and food brings people together, and uh, you know, sharing nice stories and being around. Uh, nice tables with your family, with friends, you know, sharing nice bottles of uh, sparkling or any sort of uh, wine and good food, I think is what's important. Jose Andres is doing a, a great fav- uh, favor to the United States because, you know, he has uh, imported uh, his cuisine, we think it's fabulous, uh, and yeah, it's, uh, it's great to be able to uh, to have our cabas in the restaurants as well. So...
1: Well, these are really delicious. Well, I, I know that because I've already tasted them. But we have two more wines to talk about. We have the Brut Natur. Uh, Grand Reserve uh, Vintage, 2008. And then we have the Rosé, which I said also has the uh, Monastrel and Garnacha and Pinot Noir, which are quite, you know, Pinot Noir is obviously the, the one people know. But uh, I've got uh, Javier Simal with uh, Lopart, uh, Sparkling Wines, the Cava from Spain. And uh, when we come back from this break, we're going to dive into the Brut Nature and the Rosé. So folks, stick around. We'll be right back on 570 KVI.
0: back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan.
1: All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round two. Have you got something tasty in your glass or on your way to someplace Nice. Uh, I've got uh, a very nice man, Javier Simal, who is the uh, export manager for Lopart uh, Cava, which is located in Penedes region of Spain, um, up just uh, north of Barcelona, and we've tried uh, Well, we have three fantastic sparkling wines, and tis the season. Um, Champagne, I'll drink champagne all day long, but if we can't afford it, uh, um, I like drinking Cava because you get uh, a lot of the same flavors um, without the price, but I will never turn down a glass of champagne regardless, and I'll probably never turn down a glass of Cava either, so uh, um we tasted the brut delicious yes very very friendly 20 bucks no sorry 19.99 if you mm-hmm. order now uh but the next wine is something very special it's a vintage wine
2: it is well all of them are vintage uh, but we're looking at uh, 2008 vintage leopardi and that name leopardi is given by our first owner of the state back in the 40th century so it's a lot of history uh, behind that name and yeah it's, a, it's the same blend than the one you had before uh, with a little bit of Chardonnay, 10% of Chardonnay and, uh, what is good about uh, this brand is that it uh, keeps delivering that freshness and that crispness that uh, we get from high mountains because we are uh, organic vineyards from, from high mountains. Right.
1: So when we talk about freshness, folks, we're really talking about the freshness of fruit. Obviously, this wine is uh, 2008 vintage, so it's hard to say that it's actually fresh. But the beauty of it is that the freshness of fruit really is uh, sort of dances on the palate. You're not trying to struggle to find what the flavors are, and it's more than just lemony because I when drink sparkling wines, oh, it's kind of lemony. Um, delicious wine. Chardonnay. How long has Chardonnay been growing in Penedes?
2: Well, it's been growing uh, a long time because uh, it's, it's, it's a, a great variety, a white grape variety that performs very well there. And, uh, yeah, we use in sometimes uh, Chardonnay as well to to produce uh, our sparkling wines.
1: All right. So this is your tête de cuvee, right? This is your prestige brand
2: for Lopart? Yeah. We have two more reservas. Unfortunately, they are not sold in in United States, but I invite all of you guys to come over to Barcelona. <laughs> how about check, that? You're buying huh? us and check us out.
1: Excellent. I like that. Um and you, your website is lowpart dot com, so lopar dot com. That's pretty easy to remember. But yeah. just look up Leopard in Spanish or Catalon, right? Yeah. Um the second one well let me just talk about this one. This is delicious. It's been aged for how long? Five years? Five
2: to six years. Five uh, to six. Yeah.
1: And is uh someone actually Getting uh, carpal tunnel on the wrist there for the riddler?
2: Yeah, it's a good thing because, you know, <laughs> as, a, as a mountain uh, vineyard, uh, we have uh, a lot of hand work to do. Uh, we are placing terraces, which means that uh, uh, machinery are not allowed. So we hand-pick the grapes, and uh, also uh, when it comes to um, uh, do all the riddling, uh, we do that manually as well. So it's a lot of job, and... Small company, only 30 people work there, so it's still a family-orientated, but, yeah, we have a good fun. And how many bottles or cases are you producing? Not many. We're trying to find the right place, the right spot, and it's uh, in bottles. I can tell you that we produce... Uh, around every year, five hundred thousand bottles. All
1: right, uh-huh. but that's nothing in the in the world of champagne and sparkling wines because uh, mm-hmm. uh, moet Chandon does eight million cases, right? Probably, yeah, 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 yeah. They're pretty big. Um, what's great about having and you want to make enough so that the world can enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're on to this beautiful. This is this is electric rosé. I mean, the color here is got pink and fuchsia with a little bit of. Uh, Ooh, just a, a touch of rusted orange red, which is it's electric. Um I'm going to smell this wine. You tell me about it.
2: Well, this this is our one of our best uh, sellers here in the United States. It's a very unique uh, blend. Uh, we're talking about sixty percent Monastrell, twenty uh, percent Garnacha, and twenty percent Pinot Noir. And it delivers. You know, you really get, as you said, this nice nose, these cherries, these uh, strawberries. It's almost having a strawberry on your glass. Uh, however, when you just uh, uh, see that, uh, you find this bone dry sparkling rosé, which is for us, uh, you know, a winner, you know, it's just the perfect balance, that crispness, that freshness, but also it's dry and, you know, keeps inviting you to to drink more <laughs> and more. Yeah, I don't know you do agree. <laughs>
1: Christopher, come try me. Um, Delicious wine, uh, very pleasant on the palate. It mm-hmm. has uh, a, a bright sparkle effervescent, but it's really rounded. Do they go through, uh, I mean, is this fermented in stainless steel or how do they, what's no, the production method? No, no, I
2: mean, it's just uh, we produce the same. I mean, not fermented, but it's, I mean,
1: uh, well, actually, it's, f- it's two fermentations. Yeah, so it is two
2: fermentations. Yeah, that's right. You know, the first one is in the stel- st- steel tanks and the second one is in the bottle. Uh, but uh, how we strike the color of this uh, nice pink uh, rose is just uh, the Monash is a thick gray variety, so you give them like 2 hours of uh uh skin contact uh-huh. so we get the color out that beauty rose color and then yeah do you we- do large formats Uh, We do uh, for certain uh, ground reservas, uh, we Mm. do magnums, and especially for that uh, rose, we do smaller ones if it helps. You know, Mm. that can go in any uh, girl's handbag, and you know, I'm sure that if they have have a bad day, you know, they can open that beauty. Or a good day, or or any day, right? (laughs) Sparkling
1: (laughs) wine is, uh, there's some great lines in toast to sparkling wine. Wow, Javier. So this wine, uh, the Tete Cuvée was in that twenty nine dollar range, twenty nine ninety nine. Yes, correct. And this one again is in the nineteen ninety nine dollar range as well, or twenty two ninety nine. Twenty two, it yes. Slightly yeah.
2: more expensive, but you know it delivers.
1: See, that was the voice from from just you know, the outer space. It came down and gave us the information. I mean, he's not on mic. It's like, <laughs> who is that? Um, this is this is really a delicious rosé. A lot of rosés don't have this kind of fruit. This has much more cherry and almost berry fruit. It's mm-hmm. it's definitely Strawberry pleasant on the palate because mm-hmm. when you drink rosé, it's it's not often like I get a lot of them. They're mostly raspberries because the raspberries are pretty tart unless you get the nice ripe ones, but um, yummy. Yeah. And, uh, again, it's all about the age. So you're getting all this complexity from the wine from from being uh, on the lees uh, and hand-riddled. Um, really tasty. I'm glad that you came in. It's uh, If you're one of my wine buyers out there, and you say, hey, i got to try this, it's available at Elliott Bay Distributing, so um, just talk to your rep, or if you are uh, someone who wants to try this, go to a store that has a uh, wine steward, and of course, your favorite wine stores are Esquin and uh, World of Wines and Redmond, or McCarthy and Shearing and Jay and, and Dan, they can hook you up. Uh, it's really favorable. Um perfect. I would buy a case. I'd buy four bottles of each because that's going to save you a bunch of money and a bunch of time from going back to the store because you're going to love it. Uh, Javier, Simon, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So John Emmerich, hey, welcome to Happy Hour. Uh, You are a distiller here in Washington State. You have a distillery called Sea Bishop
3: Spirits. Tell
1: me about you. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up?
3: Uh, Yeah, so... I grew up in Issaquah. I was born in Tacoma, but moved up there, or moved up to the Issaquah area early in life, went to junior high and high school out there, uh, Skyline High School. Um, stayed out there until about, until college, basically, then into Seattle and then down to Renton, where I live right now.
1: Okay. And uh, obviously, was it high school? Was it the keg parties at Skyline? Or was it uh, college that got you interested in this whole idea of uh, ethyl alcohol?
3: Oh, I, <laughs> it's something that, we used to do just in our garage and in our dorms and stuff like that. Well, do you, we, you say
1: used to do what? Were <laughs> you like shotgunning beers or were you trying to Oh, we were distill? shotgunning
3: beers. We were bur- brewing beers. We were distilling beer into alcohol. We were distilling anything wow. into as, <laughs> as potent a product as we could possibly make. Because the fewer times that you had to drink it, you know, the better. So, oh, right. And it just got me interested into it in general. I'm a huge foodie. I love uh, the spirits industry. And... I don't know, probably about four or five years ago, uh, didn't have any children, wasn't married, or not married. No real responsibility, so I thought to myself, like I better give this a go. If I'm going to give it a go at some point in my life, I better try it right now. So you because, got it down when yeah. uh,
1: you decide that you need another legacy in your life, right? Um, right. So you're you. I uh, have a wedding plan with a lovely lady uh, named Taylor, and uh, you have a, a a wedding planned. You're going to have an open bar with some spirits. We
3: are. Yeah, we're actually going to be at the uh, Melrose Market. We'll be. Fi- Is that what it's called? Yeah,
2: Melrose Market. Okay. Yeah,
3: Melrose Market Studios, and then we'll. They're actually going to be allowing us to bring in our own spirits. So we'll have a signature cocktail probably made with our gin and then maybe one made with our tarragon gin. All right. Maybe we'll try the barrel aged. So you
1: decided that uh, Renton was a place to uh, make spirits or would you say you're doing something else? Yeah,
3: so uh, live in Renton, but the actual distillery is out in Black Diamond. So Mm -hmm. uh, the process took about two years um we looked at a couple different locations originally uh, we made a real effort to try to do it down at some property that my grandfather had uh in the lake bay gig harbor area uh that fell through just some of the rules that the ttb has about private residence private property those (laughs) sorts of things so um we went out looking for a location um that would be both affordable but also had car traffic and you know sort of um you know the The landlord was the right person to be working with, and uh, we ended up finding a spot um, just on uh, Highway uh, 169, also known as Maple Valley Highway, like right on your way to Mount Rainier uh, and Black Diamond. So it's just right past when you go through the when you pass the uh, the coal cart that says welcome to Black Diamond about 200 yards after that. Our distilleries on the right side. Excellent. Is there a tasting room there? There is. Yeah. In fact, we just uh, we just opened, so we had a short soft opening, and then we'll be open from uh, for the rest of the rest of the year. And uh, our hours right now are going to be uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, one to six. Um, Taylor will probably be there on Fridays, and then I will be there on Saturdays and Sundays. And um, feel free to stop by. We'll be able to sample all three of our spirits that we have right now: um, tarragon. Regular gin and then our uh, barrel rusted gin. And it's C. Bishop. Correct. C. Bishop Spirits. Correct. Uh, And the website? www.cbishopspirits.com. All right,
1: pretty easy to remember. Hey, folks, uh, stick around. We come back from this break. We've got uh, three bottles of uh, uh, John's Elixir to taste right here on Happy Hour Radio.
0: He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local, weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan.
1: All right, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Hope you have a great night out in the Puget Sound or uh, heading someplace. we got something great in your glasses. This is round three, time for segment three. And i got three glasses in front of me. And two lovely people. I've got uh, Taylor and um, John Emmerich with Sea Bishop Spirits out of Black Diamond. Um, I imagine if you're a skier, you would have like a double Black Diamond, uh, 120
3: proof. But let's talk about Sea Bishop. Where does that name come from? So uh, the Sea Bishop is a nautical myth and was um, basically an apparition that uh, sailors would see or claim to see when they were lost at sea, and it would be sort of one of those things that... When all was lost, you would see sort of this religious figure glowing on the water. And, um, uh, I've got a huge maritime amount, well, maritime history, yeah, interest. Uh, family's boat enthusiasts. I'm just really into, you know, that sort of the lore around that sort of thing. So it was just something that was interesting to us. And, um, yeah, it's a great character. But I imagine <laughs> if you're seeing the C. bishop, yeah, yeah, probably, you probably need a few outlook, drinks. Outlook yeah. doesn't look so <laughs> yeah. good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe you're clinging to the last rum barrel as, before, uh, you, before you go into the go under. So, That's it. Yeah. So,
1: um, you you opened this new place in Black Diamond, and, and is it a, a warehouse, a barn, and, and did you
3: just uh, capitalize it right away with all the equipment? Uh, yeah. So it it's a. Um, it's a, it's in a business complex. Um, it's a warehouse, uh, with, um, and the whole process probably took, I think, what, roughly two years. So if you're familiar with just how you go about opening a distillery, <laughs> yes. it is a saga. And, um, uh, it took us about a year to navigate the uh, federal government, um, licensing process and then also navigate the city and the state, uh, And then finally get open. We actually had to apply for um, a conditional use permit because Black Diamond didn't have appropriate zoning for distillery. Um, But uh, all through that time, we were recipe testing, planning out, you know, once we were legal with the federal government, we were, but planning everything, trying to get as much headway as we could, uh, get all of our equipment set up, get ready to go. Just as soon as we got the green light, we'd be able to be in stores as quickly as possible. So you're gin fans? Huge gin fans. Wow. Huge gin fans. Yeah, I think... It's one of my favorites. I think that Taylor, it's one of hers too. It's got such a huge, um, just like a huge uh, spectrum of what it can taste like and the flavors that you can add in it and what it goes with. Um, I think it gets, it gets a, I think it, in general, when you ask people, do you like gin? People think, oh, all well, gin must just taste like tangerine or beef eater or something like that, that traditional, very strong London dry gin. Truthfully, though, there's way, way more, you know, way more variety uh, than that out on the market yeah and um and you can just do a lot of stuff with it it's a very it's a very sort of just open palette, i guess you should say and then there's also some business aspects to it too is that uh vodka is very hard to sell and whiskey and things like that that need to be barrel aged immediately or yeah are extremely expensive um so you can sort of import impart a lot of character um and you know really sort of create your signature spirit on something like gin um you know, fairly quickly. So.
1: Yes. Um, there's a couple ways to actually infuse flavor into a, uh, a spirit. You yes. can just add flavoring but uh, yes. by a concentrate or something. Right. You can percolate it, which means you've got uh, the d- distillation kind of going through the spirit on top yep. of the... uh um, yes. The bag, what do you call it? Gin so they, basket. Yes, the gin yeah. basket. And you've got uh, a maceration, mm-hmm. which is basically steeping it in, and then distilling it off, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got, and that's part of the whole the muslin sock, right? Is that what yeah. you use? Uh, and there's a fourth way.
3: Uh, I don't know what the fourth way is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we use a gin basket. Uh, we uh, run our gin through a column still, goes up through a gin basket where all the botanicals sit in it. Um, it's distilled from a neutral spirit space. Um, It imparts a really, really clean mouthfeel, has a very clean flavor. I think Um, just the difference is sometimes when I see a gin that's distilled, you know, sort of in a pot still uh, versus in a column still with a gin basket, I think it makes for a much lighter spirit, not nearly as oily. Um, It's a flavor that I like a little bit better, and uh, you can also uh, create a much Pure alcohol. So, so you produce the the base spirit. We do not. Oh, we do okay. not produce the base spirit. So um, that was a decision that we made just for equipment costs. Sure. Um, you would. We would then have to sort of mash and mash grain. Right. Uh, and it just was yeah. something that we decided. It's work. To, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's work and it's also just expense yes. and add, additional process cleanup those sorts of things. It adds additional variables into. You know, necessarily what the you know like what the product might necessarily or things that could foul right. up the product. I mean, I you need say. a rectifier. So.
1: and all I mean, You kind of need that still, right? Because you're basically taking the base spirit and reheating it to sort of get the molecules up. Yeah,
3: or? we might, we would, we might not, we might even have needed two stills. I mean, you would need like a still that you would strip your, uh, sometimes it's called a stripping still, that you right. strip that grain that mashed grain into your sort of base liquor and then you would put it into your gin still because you wouldn't want the flavors right. sort of crossing. Rye. Yeah. It's a rye vodka or something Yeah, like that. right. And um, using a gin basket uh, and just distilling um, from neutral spirits you know, saves that. And, and is
1: it, your spirit um, grain-based or perhaps uh,
3: grape-based? It is grain-based. Grain-based. Yeah, grain-based. So. And it's
1: local or do you uh, get it from
3: some other place? Uh, we do. It, we get it from some other place. Okay. So, But... It's, uh, the only thing we get is just base alcohol. So just as <laughs> just Evercle- generic, just says, alcohol. just says ever clear. And then we dilute oh. it. I mean, we dilute it down. Really? Yeah. So the way we work it is that you, uh, you get the base spirit, you dilute it down to roughly 30, 40% alcohol, which that goes into the still, uh, the still's fired up, Got it goes up through the column, comes out gin it comes so, out, yeah, yeah,
1: interesting and um you said you were working on iterations uh, uh while you were getting all the permits.
3: How did you find uh this recipe let's talk about this first gin, sure, so the first uh the first gin is just our uh flagship seba ship gin uh it's a gin uh made with uh you know. Quite a few different botanicals but we put a large emphasis sort of on the floral notes so there's pink peppercorn there's green cardamom there's green cardamom yeah there's uh indian coriander in it um so i think that it doesn't have the quite the juniper punch that a lot of you know london dry gins have um but it does have like a very clean mouthful and they f- feel and you'll get like some floral notes behind it and and it's also what i like about it too is it also has a little bit of heat to it too so
1: it does have some heat is this uh 94 it is 94 proof <laughs> yes
3: um and this has a little
1: bit of acidity to it there's a little bit of tartness on here. yeah i can't yeah. figure what that is that's not like
3: um is it not lemon peel or well there's there is orange peel in it but i think that the the pink peppercorn really does add impart some citrus notes to it um I think that when we were going through recipes it that was sort of a an element that we really started to like and focus on and it we kind of centered around that. So
1: um interesting. And uh, so how many how many tries did you get this
3: till so you finalized or perfected the recipe, so I to speak? 20? Twenty? 20. <laughs> yeah, around there. Twenty, twenty five. It was it was a process. It is a process. So, yeah. At some
1: point you're like, oh, I don't want any Well more it's gin. just
3: yeah, and it's 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 uh it's making it good once and then being able to do it at least a few more times to know that what you've got is repeatable. So that's kind of- And up. how did you
1: find, um, did you go online? Does Amazon sell uh, Indian uh, coriander or how uh, do you so, find
3: spices? Uh, all the spices come from uh, Market Spice down in Pike Place Market. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, that's where we get everything from. That's so,
1: cool. Yeah. And how many spices do they have? I haven't been down there
3: in 30 years. Uh, thousands. Thousands, Yeah, huh? and then they have blends too. Interesting. And, um but they have really high quality stuff uh it seems to be the best that we've been able to find com- you know when we compare it to national things and things like that so. I was
1: just in South Africa recently and uh, um obviously the indian culture down there the you know the true uh, from india people um durban is one of the largest settlements of uh uh indian people in the world outside mm-hmm. of india and they had a huge curry culture there oh wow and I'm, I'm really interested uh, I think one of those like turmeric's going to come back it's like this yeah. is the new cool thing
3: and getting out of that curry as we elevate it you ever play with curry yeah I love curry <laughs> I, I, the last time we made curry I think we made a salt cod curry that was Really delicious. Are you so, Norwegian or something? No, it was just something that I think I saw in a cookbook that we have. In a, oh, you are a foodie, then. Yeah. Well, Taylor's a chef. Oh, so. you're chef. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So oh, great. Yeah. So fun. And uh, what is this?
1: Uh, you call it the flagship, the Sea Bishop Gin. What does that run? Uh, that is thirty one dollars. And uh, again, your website is Spirits dot com. And we
3: can buy online. You cannot buy online. Oh. Yeah. So you have to find. Uh, on our website, we have a list of bars and retail locations that are carrying it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also come into the tasting room on the weekends. Okay.
1: Um, any any retail locations that I could pop off here in Seattle area? Uh,
3: not yet, but we are working on okay. it. Okay, yeah. so
1: we're going to be ahead of the curve on this. Um, speaking with John Emmerich and uh, his fiance uh, Taylor is uh, Chef Taylor, we'll call her, um, tasting the first of three iterations. So you you just these are your this is your total lineup of spirits, right? Yes. Okay. Great. I think this uh, first flagship gin is delicious. It's, it's very complex, and it finishes with some heat, which is uh, cool because it's soft on the attack, but it gets a little spicy and hot. Uh, coming up next, folks, I've got two more spirits to taste with uh, my pal John Emrick, uh, chief distiller of C. Bishop Spirits. Stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio.
0: Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, six to ten a.m. Talk Radio Five Seventy KVI. You're in the know with KVI One and O Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, folks,
1: we're on the air. We're live right here in studio in the shadow of the Space Needle. I'm. Uh, it's time for segment four, our fourth and final segment. I've got two. More of the three fabulous spirits from my new pal John Emmerich of Sea Bishop Spirits down in Black Diamond came all this way to hang out on Happy Hour Radio. Uh, Next spirit, we just tried your flagship gin,
3: and uh, what's our second spirit? So the second one you have in front of you is our tarragon gin. So this is our uh, flagship gin macerated with tarragon, and uh, that's really the only difference to it, but it does impart a real nice sort of... Tarragon, or li- if people are not familiar with what tarragon tastes like, it's it's uh, got a lot of licorice notes to anise, it. yeah. But an anise, yeah. But it's not nearly as strong. So, and it gives it a really neat b- green color, in a pretty unique uh, taste. And where we got this idea was actually for, um, from the proof event that uh, mm. the Washington Distillers Guild puts on. Mm-hmm. Um, where one of the cocktails we made was an elderflower tarragon cocktail that was being served at our booth, and we we thought, wow, that tarragon works really, really well with this gin. So then we just started playing around with mixing the two together and um, thought it was good enough to be something that we could sell.
1: Well, it makes sense because licorice root is one of the ingredients in uh, some of the gin. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's (laughs)
3: licorice root in ours. Okay.
1: Um, I think that that gives a very um gentle and uh um it's kind of a, an alluding- uh, no, I an alluding but um this is really tasty. I don't know, <laughs> uh, but tarragon is interesting. Too yeah. much, too much. You can get like, okay, it's too green and too licoricey. Yeah. But it's just a very subtle note, which I think is is more of that, more of a tea kind of flavor yeah. and aroma. Yeah. yeah, and this is green tarragon. You just snip it and throw it in. Yeah, exactly. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: How much tarragon do you have to use for a, a, a batch? A lot. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot. Uh, five pounds? Oh no, not five pounds because there's it's such a light. That's i know probably, yeah it's so <laughs> light but it's it's got to be two pounds it's probably got to be a two pounds of it in i don't know like a 50 you know like a 30 gallon batch i guess you could say it's yeah. it steeps for um about 20 hours and um, this is
1: after the fact so you just basically have your own your correct. basic your uh, yeah. flagship gin and then you're yeah. adding
3: okay and we uh we essentially add the tarragon three times so it gets fresh tarragon mm-hmm. added three different times because one thing that we were noticing is a tarragon after it sat in it for a little while would get Kind of like a real just plant taste you yeah. know you know that like kind of like that like gra- yeah like that grassy taste and that's what we were trying to stay away from and we think we kind of got it right on in the interesting the I tell you this reminds me of Japanese
1: green tea a lot there's just that note in which is I find it very savory and cool. um, tasty kind of a sunflower seed. Uh, yummy, and this is 31, you said? thirty. Yes. Okay, Same Good. price. yes. I so still remember over here. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, your third and final uh, yes. spirit yeah. is?
3: So the third one is our barrel-rested. And what's cool about this is this is not actually out yet, but we thought we'd bring it in here for you to try. Well, of course. Um, so it's probably got another month to a month and a half on the barrel. We're just t- tasting it to see where, where it's at. And once it's at where we like it, we'll pull it. Um, the one note that I will say about what you're about to drink is that um, this is <laughs> – we have not diluted this, so this is up at about fifty-three percent alcohol. So it's a little strong, but I still think it—it's very good. I'm not so, afraid of <laughs> yeah. So it's um, a barrel blend of uh, barrels from a couple of local distilleries as well as some distilleries. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, so there's. Uh, an Ula barrel. Oh, there's I see. A, you, yeah, you, it's a barrel blend, meaning you're
1: you're blending the actual barrels.
3: Yeah, yeah. So there's a Oola, uh bourbon barrel. There is a two-bar barrel, and then there's also a Corsair Distillery rye barrel. And Corsair, yeah, they're out of Tennessee. Oh, so, okay. I was yeah.
1: say I don't know them. Um, interesting because we had uh, uh, Thomas uh, Paisler, who was also using a uh, two-bar. No. Gosh, I'm getting confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Nathan Kaiser, two bar spirits, yeah. great work. Um yeah. in fact he uses use nice some great too. wood. So you use three barrels, it's just one one time fill? Yes. Uh so they uh yeah, one time fill. So All right. And and the idea of rested is this just where did this come up with? I mean, it's this, uh, I'm just kind of interested. I know that it's, you know, gin is the new American spirit because right. we can do whatever we want with it and it's pretty exciting. It was just one of the um, alterations of that idea that, hey, you know what, let's throw it in a barrel, see what happens.
3: Yeah, that, that's basically, I think that's what everybody did and that's what we did. So we just took our, our our normal recipe and said, let's throw this in a barrel and see how it tastes. And it turns out that it tastes pretty well, pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, um, So, what do you think of it?
1: Uh, I I took my first sip and uh, I just kind of relaxing and let it sort of seep into my psyche and my palate. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to take another sip because, um, it's it, again, it's very savory. I get a lot of the um, vanilla and bourbon notes yeah. on the attack and up front. Um, there's a little bit of salt in there somewhere. There's a bit of a saline quality, which I find super savory. Uh, it's well balanced. It's very smooth. You get the sweet attack, then it morphs into more of the gin and, and um, some of the botanical flavors. Uh, 86 proof? Uh, that's pretty high right now. That's no, you said
3: higher. 53. 53%. Yeah, 53%. Oh, yeah, 53%. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. So, I, and I, yeah. I
1: see for a moment there, I didn't even think of that because it yeah. doesn't seem that hot, which yeah. is a good testament yeah, we, to...
3: Yeah, we're going to... It will be diluted down when it's
1: final. Awesome. But- Wow, John Emmerich, C. Bishop Spirits. Thanks so much thanks, for sharing. I appreciate these. it. All right, I'll see you again. Hey, folks, hope you enjoyed the show, and um, it's the holiday season. I hope you've got yours and uh, your menu set up. Remember, when you're driving out and about and having a good time, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers.